Hello, Philosoraptors. Welcome to another exciting edition of Andrew's Philosocast. Uh, I hope you're all doing well. Uh, I hope you're listening to these and enjoying them, and I hope you find them useful. We are just doing a very, very quick um, recap uh, on a lot of the arguments uh, in the OCR A-level course, a lot of the classical philosophical arguments that you may be familiar with. So it's useful for students and just anybody with a vague interest. Um, I hope you've also enjoyed uh, Kate Sword's history podcast that's on the on the same Andrew's Philosophercast page. Um, so if any of you are studying history, um, they're really, really useful as well. Uh, today what I wanted to talk to you about um, is the, the third uh, sort of classical argument for the existence of God after we've talked about the teleological argument and the ontological argument. Today I'd like to talk about the cosmological argument. Um, and just quickly fly through that, give you the basics. Again, um, we'll do some criticisms of these arguments on a podcast on its own. So we'll do the cosmological argument uh, today. It's another really, really famous one, a lot like the teleological argument. It's, uh, it's, it's one that uh, many, many philosophers have commented on, and it's one that I think you'll be familiar with just from your own thoughts. Cosmological argument. Um, again, as I said before, talked about by, by numerous philosophers, but we're going to start with Aquinas, who writes about um, the cosmological argument in his book Summa Theologica, meaning all theology. Um, and again, um, with Aquinas, because he is writing to a faith-based audience, it is Fides Querens Intellectum. Um, a quick link, quick link to the, the teleological argument here, because the, the cosmological argument and the teleological argument are, are things that we make up um, four of Aquinas' five ways, often mistakenly called the five proofs, they are the five ways. So they are motion, cause, contingency, gradation, and design. So design's the, the design bit of it. We're going to be concerned with the first three of those arguments which make up the classical cosmological argument. Now for me, a quick point here. Um, we're going to use some language that Aquinas, Aquinas uses with in, in describing these, they are again classically Aristotelian. Again, Aquinas's arguments are, are based a lot on Aristotle's ideas. You'll see some terms that you'll be familiar with when you've looked at Aquinas's. Uh, sorry, when you've looked at Aristotle's um, uh, arguments. So there's a lot of repetition there, and it's a link you can make for your band six. And again, you can compare the cosmological argument to 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 perhaps ontology and design as well if you if you're clever and you're after your band six. So what are Motion, what are, well, what are the, the first three of these five ways? So the first one is motion. It's a really, really simple argument that Aquinas puts forward here. He says, everything in the universe is in a state of motion. Nothing um, gets into a state of motion without something else acting upon it first. Ergo, therefore, there must have been something that caused the first, the first movement. And Aquinas uses Aristotle's term here, the prime mover. Now, what Aquinas, uh, it's a really, really simple argument, but what he's essentially stating here is that you can't go back forever. You can't have what's known as an infinite regress, an infinite regression. You can't go back and back forever. So therefore, must have been something that got something moving in the first place. The second argument is, is the argument from cause, which again is really, really similar to that. So with cause, it's the idea that nothing contains within itself the reason for its own existence. There must have been a sort. So I have a cause of Mammy and Daddy Taylor. They have the cause of Nan and Grandad Taylor, and so on. So it's an uncomfortable thought for you all to think about that. But you can't go back and back forever. 
there must be a first cause, an uncaused cause, again, a lot like, like Aristotle's language, and according to Aquinas, that must be God. The argument from contingency is a little bit different and a little bit more more intelligent. Now, I quite, I quite like the argument from contingency. Uh, contingent beings are necessary being. Now, what Aquinas says is there's nothing in this universe that is its own necessity. So there therefore must be a being outside of space and time that is a necessary being, a necessary being. We'll get into that in, a, in another podcast because I think the argument from contingency is, is perhaps the most robust part of the cosmological argument and it is the one that will be repeated in the Corpuston Russell radio debate with, with Corpuston championing the, the argument from, from contingency. Um, I think the other thing that you might want to talk about is, uh, after Aquinas' classical sort of cosmological argument, you might want to talk a little bit about William Craig and the Kalam argument. Uh, and I think they, they link rather nicely. So the Kalam argument was originally an Arabic idea. And I often think that sort of the Arabic influence in philosophies uh, undersold, uh, underappreciated a little bit. I mean, we'll talk about Avicenna and sort of Hanging Man later on in things. The Kalam argument um, is basically a mathematical a mathematical argument that, that certain Arabian philosophers look about when they develop the concept of zero, which I think is a, it's a whole different different ballgame, but it's really, really fascinating. Now, what the Kalam argument sort of supposes is that imagine if you have a library filled with an infinite amount of books, and this is, this is something to sort of um, help you get your hand around the concept of infinity. If I removed 100,000 red books from this library, I would still have an infinite number of red books. If I removed 400 million, billion gazillion red books from this library, I would still have an infinite number of red books. If I removed an infinite number of red books from this library, I would still have an infinite number of red books. Now that, that argument, the Kalam argument, is is used by William Craig to expand upon the cosmological argument. Because what William Craig says is the universe cannot be infinite. If following the sort of the logic of the Kalam argument, the universe cannot be infinite because we can add and subtract to it. Roughly six minutes, 40 seconds ago, I started waffling on and you started to become bored. We have subtracted from this time. In roughly two or three minutes, I'm gonna shut up and you can blessedly get on with doing something else. We have added to this time. So William Craig supposes, using this Kalam argument, that if we can add or subtract to this moment in time, then time and the universe is not infinite, but rather is finite. Anything that is finite has a beginning and an end. Anything that has a beginning and end is brought into being by something that exists outside of space and time. According to William Craig, that being is God. Now, there are numerous, 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 numerous other philosophers who have a go at the cosmological argument and numerous critics. Uh, we will be talking about um, David Hume in greater detail next episode. Uh, as I said before, I hope you're all really, really well. If you've got any questions, please don't hesitate to email, it, email me in um, if you're my students. Uh, if not, you can ask questions on, on our YouTube channel and I'll try to get back to you. Um, I hope you're all well. Bye.